Welcome to the Legit Lady Podcast, where we feature women who are nailing it in life. Welcome, Legit Lady listeners. I am your host, Julie Fetterman, and welcome to the podcast where we feature impressive women to inspire the world. And this episode is a very special episode because I want to give a huge shout out to this podcast because we are now officially one year old. Woo! That is so exciting. And I I didn't even know, to be completely honest, if we would make it a year. There is so much effort and time that goes into creating a podcast. And I know there's so many podcasts that are out there nowadays, but especially an interview-based podcast that takes a very thoughtful approach like ours. And we spend a lot of time and energy making sure we bring on incredible guests that have so much to share and really impressive stories to tell to you. I, I wasn't sure if we'd make it this far. And I have to say, I am now incredibly energized and motivated to keep on building on this podcast and continue doing the amazing things that we do. And a big reason for that is all of you. So thank you, especially you listening to this podcast. It really wouldn't be a podcast without you. And we want to give a quick call out as well of thanks to our audio producer, Manny. Thank you so much for everything that you do. And to every single listener, person who've written a review, donated via coffee, I, I really appreciate it. Please keep sending those great messages on social media or to our email, which is legitladypodcast at gmail.com. It wouldn't be a podcast without you. So thank you from the bottom of my heart. I'm just sharing all of my gratitude to each and every single one of you. So happy birthday to us. We're one, we're barely crawling, but we have a lot of road ahead of us. And if you have any additional feedback for our podcast about anything we can do better, if you know a legit lady in your life, maybe who has a particular realm of expertise that we haven't yet featured on the podcast or has such an incredible story that needs to be shared, send us a note because we'd love to hear from you. And if you're looking to share a birthday present with us, there are a few ways to be able to do that. A really quick, easy birthday present to us would be writing us a quick five-star review on iTunes, on Stitcher, anywhere you could possibly write a review. That would be really greatly appreciated because we're constantly uh, hoping to share our podcast with a broader audience and writing reviews bumps us up to help more people find our podcast. Another wonderful birthday present that we'd absolutely appreciate is if you do have a couple dollars to spare, being able to take us out for an online coffee. And this is a great way for us to be able to keep the podcast going because podcasts are not entirely free. We do actually have to pay money to host the podcast. We give uh, tokens of appreciation to our guests. Sometimes we have to travel to interview guests and things like that. So it's really uh, a great way to be able to keep the podcast going. And the way to be able to share uh, coffee with us or take us out for an online drink is to go to ko-fi.com slash legit lady podcast. ko-fi.com slash legit lady podcast. And I've received a few 
lovely drinks and coffees uh, over the past month or so. And I really appreciate it. Uh, one in particular is from a French speaking friend uh, who I hold near and dear. So merci beaucoup. We really appreciate it and hope to see you soon. And thank you so much for your support. Uh, we, we really do think it's amazing. So thank you. Thank you. Thank you. And happy birthday to us. This week's Legit Lady. <laughs> we actually go way back from our time in a performing arts high school, which was a lot of fun. But that's actually not why she's here, despite the fact that she has a very beautiful voice, better than my singing voice, that's for darn sure. And this particular Legit Lady is a marketing maven. And she also has a way with words. In fact, she is the founder and author of not one, but two delightful blogs, which must be a whole heck of a lot of work. It's called the Toronto Socialite. So Socialite, like Seoul, Korea, and That Girl Cartier. So two blogs. And we cover a lot in this conversation and a really good time with her. We chat about everything from online dating hands up if any of us are on any of those dating apps or dating websites, I can only imagine, to big things that happen in life. So taking huge life risks and big adventures, pushing ourselves outside of our comfort zones. And some of it is on purpose and some of it not so much. Please give it up and welcome the one, the only, Kate Carter Hickey. All right, bloopers. I know. <laughs> it's part of the fun of the podcasting world, right? Indeed. You're just like, how close do I go to the microphone? Yeah. <laughs> yep. Story of my life. <laughs> well, with that, Kate, it is so wonderful to have you on the podcast. Thank you. <laughs> on a school night. It is great to have you. It is a school night. Ooh, <laughs> I'm going to go straight to bed after this. Sounds wonderful. But before you do, we're going to get to know you through 10 main questions with some domain specific ones thrown in in between for good measure. But to kick things off, let's start with question number one, which is what advice would you give to your teenage self? I think when I was a teenager, I was really just excited and tormented and I cared so much about everything. And I, I kind of wish I could have a little bit of that back. Um, I wish that I could have maybe panned it out a little bit longer, told myself not to care so much back then so that I could care a little bit more now. Um, I think you really develop a thick skin when you put yourself out there so much and, and you're really just trying your hardest all the time. And I, I think when you experience a lot of failures on the road to, you know, having a couple successes, uh, you, you really develop a thick skin. So just cool your jets, Kate. It's gonna be okay. Mm. <laughs> and was it the like experiencing of failure that decreased the level of care that you had? 
I, I mean, I always say that failure is a learning experience. And if you, if you never fail, then you never learn. Um, and then you'll never succeed truly. Um, so, so if you're not failing, you're really not taking any risks. And I mean, I failed countless times Mm -hmm. and I I mean, we were at ESA, we were just surrounded by so much talent that how could, how could you not fail over and over and over again? You Mm -hmm. know, you'd get a couple of wins, but you know, it it wasn't always going to be like that. Right. And for those listening at home, ESA is the Etobicoke School of the Arts. We actually both went to the same performing arts high school Mm -hmm. way back when. And so if it wasn't the failure, because I agree with you, I think failure is such an important learning moment. And being someone who typically does pretty well at things the first time, like I, I tend to try to soak things in. I'm a pretty keen person, motivated by mastery. Uh being able to embrace failure was very challenging for me until it allowed me to do a lot of reflection and understand how it pushed me forward as a human being. So facing some of my biggest failures in life allowed me to develop the most as opposed to just coasting along. So if it wasn't the failures that as they dulled your sparkle or, or maybe just decreased the amount of care, what did? And that's a really tough question. I'm not sure if I have an answer right now. Um, I think that's moving okay. back this to Toronto. Point. <laughs> I think moving back to Toronto definitely has dulled my sparkle. Um, there are just not as many. There, there aren't as many hurdles, and I, th- I think that when you're when you're overcoming obstacles, like small obstacles, like um, trying to remember words in a different language. Um, I lived in Korea for three years, so. Um, there was definitely a language barrier that you had to overcome. You had to overcome all of the obstacles of working with a different culture or or working within a different culture. Um, And then trying to make new friends in an expat world. And that was really exciting. And it it was a constant self-evolution. Whereas here, it just feels a little bit more stagnant. Um, I've had my heart broken a couple times, so let's, <laughs> let's reflect on those failures. Um, and yeah, that certainly dulls one sparkle. They're not good enough for you. I hope they listen to this. <laughs> uh, well, one of them was certainly not good enough, but mm-hmm. the other was maybe a little too good. I disagree, but we can agree to disagree on that. So how does one keep that excitement and that challenge. Do you think that's possible in a city that you've called home for so long? That is a question I ask myself every day. Mm -hmm. Um, Just trying to get out there and do new things Mm -hmm. is, you know, uh, one thing that I'm trying to do, but also it's exhausting. Like I'm I'm just really tired. (laughs) Yeah. I mean, understandable. Like I come home at the end of a long work day and I half the time I don't have the emotional energy to go out and do things or even the physical energy. I just want to sit and watch TV just because I'm, I'm so drained. Mm -hmm. So, I mean, that's an ongoing battle. I mean, if anyone listening has some great advice or tactics or things that you do, feel free to lay it on us. But 
it's a I'm challenge, ready. right? Come at me. <laughs> yes, 100%. Yeah. I mean, it's a challenge. Um, do you mind sharing a little bit about what you do for work? Sure. Um, actually, I work at a law firm. Really? Uh, yeah, I'm, I'm a writer there. So I write constantly. I'm, I'm writing at home for my two blogs and the social media. And I, I'm doing freelance writing work and then doing sales and marketing writing for a law firm. Wow. Yeah. That's, that's a lot of writing. It's a lot of writing. Oh my goodness. Yeah. And tell us a little bit about your blogs that you have. Okay. So I run two different blogs. One is a little bit more serious and more informative. It's called the Toronto Soul Shalite. So a little play on Seoul, South Korea. And I actually met the guy who owned socialite.com and he hadn't done anything with it in years. And I just, I found it truly obnoxious that he was doing nothing with this, with this domain name that I, I had wanted. How did you meet him? We met at a, at an expat bar. He's this Korean who ended up going to live in LA and when he came to, came back to Korea, he actually toured around with Justin Bieber and, you know, guys like that and brought them to clubs when they were underage and da 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 And then he decided to join. Okay, so when I broke up with my ex, when I uh, found out at the Tokyo Haneda airport that he was uh, engaging in a little extra... Curriculars. Extracurricular um, texting with somebody else in the military uh, who he ended up marrying. Wow. Pun times. Wow. Yeah. Uh, I think he married her because you actually get a raise when you get married. So they both got raises and he loves money more than anything else in the world. Jeez. Yeah. So that, uh, yeah, that was a good moment. Um, but we were supposed to go to Jeju Island, which is the Hawaii of Korea. And uh, he went to go visit her instead in Okinawa. And so here I was with this sponsored hotel room that I was covering for the Toronto Socialite, uh, food, fashion, fitness on the road. <laughs> and yeah, I had this massive room. So what was I going to do alone? So a gal pal came with me and then this guy uh, just decided that he was going to come along. And it was, it was a mess. It was a disaster. So he's one of those guys just who knows everything everyone. So we went to this Jeju black pork barbecue spot. And I actually have a photo where at the end of the night, the entire barbecue table is full of soju bottles. And there were only maybe five or six of us. And that night we went to um, Norebang, which is Korean karaoke in a private room. And one of the guys lost his phone. It ended up in Buddy's pocket. And um, yeah, his wow. his wife, his pregnant wife, tracked the phone, showed up at the hotel, and tried to beat me up in a bathroom. Oh, no, because she thought that you she were... She thought I was sleeping with her husband because oh. her husband didn't come home. And oh, I was like, oh, gosh. no, no, honey, no. That's... No, no, that's... Uh, Certainly not the reason I've come to judge you. Wow. <laughs> um, and yeah, no, he was not my type. Jeez, Louise. Yeah. So, so that's how you, you found the guy who owns socialite.com. Yeah, socialite.com. <laughs> yeah. 
So that was fun. Um, and I also own thatgirlcartier.com and the associated social media. And that one is mm, lots of dating stories and Korean beauty and cosmetic and plastic surgery stories. I really feel like the story I just told would be more of a match with the sarcastic voice from which I, I write that girl Cartier. So they both have very different content and almost mm -hmm. personas. Definitely. Yeah. The, uh, that girl Cartier is kind of the alter ego of Toronto social aid. It's, uh, it's a little bit more dangerous. It's a little, a lot more sarcastic and kind of the devil on your shoulder. Hilarious. It's like femme fatale, but a little bit more mischievous, kind of. Just more disasters. More disasters. Yeah. I mean, I've written a little bit about um, my dating stories in Toronto. I actually went out on the same date with this guy five years later. What? Yeah. Um, he told the same stories. Oh, no. Yeah. Um, we went to the Drake. And I was just like, I've been on this date before. This is horrible. And he didn't know. He had no idea. Oh, gosh. Oh, no. Talk about stagnant. Oh, yeah. So, but I feel like that's that's my life here is like, oh, I'm, I just keep repeating my mistakes. I keep repeating. Yeah, like not just mistakes. I keep just repeating behavior. And uh, it's like Groundhog Day in Toronto. <laughs> I was going to say, wow. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So uh, Toronto men, uh, step up up you're kind of trash <laughs> i mean i have been following your social media and it's comically bad yeah jeez like i it seems you like lucked out <laughs> i i did I'm, I'm very lucky i definitely do acknowledge that <laughs> but jeez louise it seems like the bar is incredibly low for it toronto is. men yeah and and their expectations are out of control like you, you meet these guys that are, I think I've described them as crusty old towels. Oh no. Yeah. Like, I think, you know what I'm referring to when I'm talking about the crust. Um, they're, yeah, that's they're a visual. Those. That's they're a visual those. word. Yeah, it's, a, it's a true visual for sure. <laughs> um, and they're expecting these supermodels. They're expecting these women who have amazing jobs where they're making six figures plus, um, you know, they, they kind of expect they're kind of gold diggers here. Hmm. It's wild. They really expect you to be, you know, splitting the check for that with them when, you know, you've had like a salad or, you know, some Brussels sprouts or whatever. Hmm. And they've had a full filet mignon, a bottle of wine that you were supposed to split and a scotch for dessert. Like, no, these uh, wow. foodie calls, like booty call, but foodie call. That's These foodie wow. calls are uh, <laughs> the subject of, I think, my next article. Yeah. It's so interesting because anything I've read about people who more or less go on dates to eat is typically with the lens of the the woman, like traditionally the woman mm. who goes out to eat on, say, the heterosexual man's dime. But you know why that is? It's so embarrassing for women to admit. None hmm. of us want to admit that these guys are just going out with us for a free meal. Really? You think that a lot of these women are, in fact, paying or splitting the check? Absolutely. Wow. Yeah. I mean, women take pride in the game, and I think men do too. And nobody nobody wants to admit that they got played. Hmm. 
That's an interesting take. Mm. It's happened to me before. And the guy, the guy wanted to go out again and again. It was really weird. Like I ended up spending, oh, probably over, over $150. Um, we went out for barbecue, like Korean barbecue, which is incredibly cheap in Korea. And he got the first bill. And I was like, oh, thank you so much. That's so kind of you. Um, and then he's <laughs> like, oh, the you get the next one. You get the next one. And so we went to a second spot. And yeah, he ordered several really, really expensive scotches and cocktails and even more food. And I was like, I'm really uncomfortable right now. Like you're getting super drunk on really premium alcohol. And premium alcohol is incredibly expensive in Korea. Um, like you can get soju, you can get beer for next to nothing. Like beer is cheaper than water some places, but if you're getting liquor or wine, wine's incredibly expensive too. It's, it's going to cost you a pretty penny. So when he was just like, Oh, your turn. I was not impressed. Did you, that's did you not pay? the first time. Of course I did. Oh, wow. Yeah. I would have pushed back and been like, hey, man. <laughs> it just, it wasn't <laughs> worth the fight. Really? Nah. Uh, man, it's so funny. I was listening to some, I, I don't know if it was another podcast, but the the conversation was saying how women, and this is very traditional, but how women have evolved to be uh, so beautiful and have evolved to be so good at putting on the beauty as well. And, and men just haven't kept up. So no. now women, <laughs> there is a joke almost like, like women are more attracted to women now more than ever. And I, I don't know if this is true or not, but it was the joke that women have been stepping up and have gotten so good at being able to maintain their beauty and the, you know, increases in makeup and the technology to look beautiful and whatever. And guys just haven't still a finger. Still, <laughs> stale coleslaw. That is what they look like. That is what they smell like. And here we are putting fillers all up in our foreheads and getting the Botox in our crow's feet and like 12 step skincare followed by a sheet mask that, you know, you have to fall asleep wearing, but then you, you can't fall asleep for more than an hour because then it'll dry out your skin. Like, it's just, it's insane the lengths we go to. And I think women have always dressed for other women. We don't really give a hoot. I'm, I'm not allowed to swear on this. Yet. No, you can swear. Oh, they don't give a rat's ass what these losers think. We dress for other women. You think I'm going to go to Yorkville, not dress to the nines? I don't care what these guys think. They're probably gay. <laughs> I care about other women. <laughs> I don't want to get judged by some clerk at Holt Renfrew. No, thank you, please. Uh -uh. <laughs> yeah, the judgment is real. I've been yeah. there. <laughs> Does that okay. stare? That's you stare. judge a little bit, too. Yeah, of oh, course. All right. <laughs> mm. Not today, honey. Oh, too funny. Okay. Uh, one, one little follow-up going back to your, your websites and your social mm. media nest. So I see you very much in social media as one of the influencer type voices. I'm using like influencer with air quotes. I don't even know <laughs> if that's a, it's like a, a good word. We've had various conversations on previous podcasts mm. about this as a notion idea. Is that something that you identify with or, or not really? I actually wrote an article a few months back um, called Influencer is Not a Dirty Word. 
And I think a lot of people who are of influence are finding that, you know, you kind of roll your eyes when people use that word influencer. And a lot of people use the term content creator instead. And I think what it boils down to is the fact that an influencer used to be somebody who was well-respected in their field and who was achieving all of these great and lofty goals and, you know, was climbing the corporate ladder and was was doing it for themselves and, and was taking on brand partnerships at the same time because they were promoting things that they they really valued and they were discovering places that were really exciting and sharing them with their audience. And now it's like this full-time influencer is just so desperate for cash that they really and truly lack substance. So, you know, when I meet people who are maybe other lawyers or who are other urban professionals that are running blogs and doing social media as well, and they get to pick and choose the brand partnerships that in which they want to engage, that's a little bit more exciting for me than when I see somebody who is supposed to be on a keto diet and is hawking Dr. Acker pizza till kingdom come. Is or that somebody, a thing? Uh, yeah. 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 <laughs> um, and it's sad. It's just, it's sad when you're so desperate to pay your rent that you're going to sell your opinion. And, and sell yourself under the guise of, of being a brand. Like you have no, you have no identity anymore. What makes a great brand partner for you? For me, or what do I think a brand partner would want in a quote unquote influencer? Uh, I would say for you, cause you seem to like, from what I know of you and what I've heard in our interview, in our previous conversations mm -hmm. and things like that, it seems like you are someone who does value that integrity. You are not a pizza hawker, keto <laughs> lady. I would definitely be a pizza hawker. I love pizza genuinely. Not a keto uh, pizza hawker. I don't know. I made I cauliflower mean, crust the other day and it was pretty darn good. Okay. I mean, yeah. you know what I mean? <laughs> I do. Um, I mean, from time to time I get sent product and I'll usually send a note back thanking the PR company and in that there will be a caveat that I, I'm not guaranteed to post about it just because you've sent it to me and I'll only be posting about it if I genuinely love the product. So a PR company asked me the other day, you know, we've sent you a couple things. What do we have to do to get this on the blog? And my response was a massive epic. It was probably seven or eight paragraphs long. Wow. Going through all of the different brands with which they work and saying, you know, look, if you're going to send me this little scrubber, it, like literally a, a sponge, if you're going to send me that and expect it to go up on my blog, I mean, writing a blog post takes hours. You have to do product photography, ensure that the lighting is good. Um, you have to do all of your... Uh, attributes for the SEO for each image. You have to put it into WordPress and then you have to get all of your copy in there and then edit your copy and put all your links and do all the SEO for that. It is time consuming. I'm not going to do that for 
a scrubber, no matter how much I genuinely enjoy the product. What if it changed your life? Scrubber that changed your life. It didn't change my life, <laughs> but I, I liked it. I did. I liked it. Product placement, scrub daddy. They also didn't send it to me. I got it from CityLine, but this particularly particular company works with them. And, uh, Oh, that's the I smiley like face one, right? Yeah, smiley yeah. face I one. I got one. It's, I got it's one. Double sided. It's yeah. all right. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Now, is it is it worth <laughs> my getting while? free advertising? They're right getting now. free advertising. There you go. There you Brocom. go. Hey, <laughs> <laughs> you can cut this part. <laughs> no, it's all right. We'll um, see. We'll see. We'll see. Yeah, but I mean, they they also work with some larger uh, products. So, sorry, higher value products. And so if they were to send me that and it was something that I would buy and I already have one of the bags from this company and I've taken it all over the world and I, I do genuinely adore it and it cost me a couple hundred bucks. Yeah, I'll, I'll do that in exchange for product. That'll go up on my blog. That'll go up on my social media all the time. I don't have a lot of bags. I, I don't need a lot of bags. I have a small, tiny apartment in Toronto. Where am I going to put them? Um... So product placement is, you know, it takes money to run these blogs. So you got to understand that. But also I have a full-time job. So I don't need to be hawking this scrubberoo just to pay my rent. <laughs> does that answer Fair. your question? Yes, it certainly does. Awesome. Thank you for that. I've always <laughs> wondered because, you know, I, I, I know lots of social media type influencer people and I see it from time to time and I always wonder. And very often they'll have the hilarious comments about like, wow, this PR company totally messed up my name or they just are sending me completely templated emails and that like that whole conversation. So yeah, was, that happens to me all the time. But like yeah. you're working with a lot of people and it's it's just nice to be invited to the table. Exactly. Cool. All right. Well, let's move forward to question two, which is what's your proudest accomplishment? Um, I guess it's a proud moment whenever, you know, I get out of my comfort zone and, and move somewhere new and manage to not die. That's a start. That's great. Not dying is wonderful. Tell us a little bit about what that felt because Korea was the first time you moved elsewhere. Mm -mm. Oh, okay. No, no, no. Okay. I had moved to Kingston first and then moved back to Toronto uh, very, very briefly before moving to Vancouver. And I was there for five years and then came back to Toronto and was here for a year and then got a new job and they sent me to Atlanta and then came back here and then decided, yeah, it was time to move to another country. And Korea just kind of came up fast and it wasn't easy. I think making it through the first few days was essential because on my third day, they fired a bunch of us. Oh, yeah, the school wow. where I was working um, was having some financial difficulties and they brought a few of us over and they just couldn't afford to keep us. They gave us one more night in this disgusting love motel and then sent us on our merry way. So here I was with these two giant suitcases, a laptop bag and um, a duffel. And... 
I took a taxi. I don't know how I managed to communicate that I needed to go to, oh no, I didn't take a taxi. I managed to find the subway and I took the subway for the very first time with these two giant suitcases and all of my other bags and met this guy who was in the army who, like the Korean army, who helped me get down the stairs. And obviously I was ready to trust no one at this point, but uh, yeah, he helped me out. And then I had to make one transfer and that was a little challenging and then made it to Seoul Station, purchased a bullet train ticket um, and then this old lady helped me with my bags. Like she, she wouldn't say no. I mean, these, these old ajumas, that's what they're called. These old Aww. ladies, they, they don't take no for an answer for positive or for negative. They just will not take no for an answer. And so she was helping me out. We managed to get me on this train. I had no idea if I was really going the right direction or not. And I was going at 200 kilometers an hour and I ended up getting off at the wrong stop and having to take a cab to, this other station within the city where I had a friend and uh, gosh, that, that whole 24 hours was just terrifying, but also exhilarating. Cause at the end of the day, I was able to just have a little bit of relief and there was still fear. It was, it was another week before I got hired and got a new apartment. But I mean, looking back, yeah, it was only a week. Can you imagine that here? somebody moving to Toronto and being able to find a new job and a new apartment within a week. Impossible. No, I certainly wasn't able to do it when I moved back. Yeah. So maybe that was a proud moment, not stepping out in front of a bus that night. <laughs> yeah. That's, that's absolutely terrifying. Yeah. It was, it was, uh, it was, um, it was probably the scariest moment of my life. How did you get through it? you just have to survive, you know, you, you have to figure it out. You don't think about how am I going to do it? You think, what am I going to do next? Hmm. That's how I imagine mothers feel constantly. Hmm. That's actually a really interesting point. Do you have any other advice for people who are moving to a different city or a different country? Because it seems like you're pretty darn seasoned at this point. <laughs> I, <laughs> I just realize, say yes, yeah. say yes as much as possible and try to have an open mind and take moments to recharge and just go with it because things are going to get screwed up and there's nothing you can do about it. You just have to keep pressing on. I'd be curious to hear from our listeners if anyone has any moving to another country or city horror stories similar to yours or equally ridiculous. I would imagine oh, so. Oh, <laughs> gosh. Yeah. Feel free to, to ping us on social if you, <laughs> if you do. It's not always sunshine and roses. Absolutely not. No, I've had my fair share of just travel stories, but I, I've... I, I always call myself super boring. I'm born and raised in Toronto. I've never actually lived elsewhere, even though I really do love to travel. So I, I have utmost respect to people who pack up their lives into a couple of suitcases and go. I'm ready to do it all over again. Sounds like it might be in your future from the sounds <laughs> of it. We'll see what happens. We'll see. 
I think it's a good segue to question three, which is how do you balance work and life? Oh, I schedule. Ooh. Oh, yeah. I keep on a very strict schedule. Um, I love to cook, but when I cook, I eat too much. I so say, I, when do I get to come over? <laughs> uh, I love cooking for other people. So really? let's make that happen. Yes. Okay. Um, but yeah, so I need to be on a very, very strict um, diet. Otherwise, I balloon. Like I've gained 25 pounds since I came back from Korea. And mm. uh, that's not ideal. But I get up at... I empathize. <laughs> and I did not come back from Korea. <laughs> She's tiny, ladies no. and gentlemen. Oh, no, no. Tiny. <laughs> yeah, but when you're tiny, again, a, a few bad meals, you can't um, wear pants. It's it's next level. Anyways, go on. There. <laughs> <laughs> so uh, during the week, I'll wake up at 6.15 and kind of putter around and, you know, take off between 6.45 and 7, get to the gym and just make sure that I do something to wake myself up in the morning and get my metal- metabolism going and... Um, just get moving in some some sense of the word, um, even if it's only 15 to 30 minutes of cardio. Mm-hmm. And then get ready at the gym, which is half a block away from work, which is amazing. Great. And then I, I start my day and my day's really, really busy. And I love that. I love having a million tasks to complete because then your day goes by really quickly. Mm-hmm. And after work three times a week i go to kickboxing or i'll schedule something directly after work i think i'm gonna burp from the whiskey that's fine you can burp here yep it's there cool. it is good it's done good job <laughs> <laughs> thank you she's a lady she's a lady it's mm. good <laughs> um yeah so so just scheduling out my day and you know booking in my classes and then there's PR events throughout the week. Like tomorrow I'm going to Fit Factory and I'm really excited to try that out. And they have boxing and they've got other classes. So, you know, maybe that's that's my next uh, gander after kickboxing. We'll see what happens. Um, and then on the weekends, they are for sleep. They are for, um, you know, taking several hours to just recharge batteries and be by yourself. Um, I am trying to schedule more on the weekends so that I can see more friends and so that I'm not constantly grazing and, you know, eating things that I shouldn't. Um, (laughs) Just living like a bear, just hibernate, just sleep and eat on the weekend. Sounds fabulous. I feel like that's kind of important though, because if you're go, 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 go Monday to Friday, like you need to, you need to press pause and, and just make sure that you're giving yourself enough time to not, lose it on somebody during the week because good they're good pretty plan. busy yeah <laughs> uh, do you use any apps or anything particular to schedule your days really well and do you schedule uh rest time during your day you mentioned it's really busy mm, they got me a stand-up desk Ooh, yeah fancy. So that's really exciting so i make sure that i'm standing up and doing my work at least until i eat lunch mm-hmm. um other than that, I mean, my days are always a little bit different running around and dealing with different lawyers and um, writing different experience items and researching different things. So you you really can't schedule your day except in your Outlook calendar. Hmm. Um, I try to say yes to as many PR event opportunities as possible because usually they're they're really creative and you get to see somebody else's event planning skills and and their creativity and their vision 
in such an amazing capacity. So I, I always try and say yes to those, even if it's something that's not necessarily my passion. Mm-hmm. You know, if somebody can benefit from reading about it, then I'll go. Um, and then, yeah, just keeping the weekends for Numero Uno. Amazing. Yeah. Are there any events that you've been to recently that have really stood out or any elements about events that were particularly memorable for you? So cannabis um, was Hot legalized. <laughs> I know our last uh, our last introduction was all about the legalization. Yeah. yeah. So um, I ordered on October 17th at five o'clock in the morning and my <laughs> order has allegedly arrived Ooh. today. Wow. So what is it? November 5th? Yeah. Yeah. One to three days is an absolute farce. Um, no, it's taken in Canada a, post yeah. strike. No, they, <laughs> no, like no, I'm kidding. I'm kidding. Didn't I'm kidding. have enough supply for the demand. Yeah. Um, small detail. Yeah. Government. So. <laughs> <laughs> well, I mean, that, that's another thing I wanted to write about it because right. I knew it was going to take a while and I don't really know anything about weed. Like, let's be real. But, um, there were a lot of PR events. Mm-hmm. Um, so there was one event at For Your Eyes Only, which is a gentleman's club on King Street West. Saucy. Yeah. (laughs) And I, I mean, I'd been there once or twice before moving to Korea. And I mean, it's, it's like filthy in there. <laughs> it's it's really gross. Were you there just like with girlfriends or yeah, just for fun? Yeah, like, just having a laugh. Sure. Like you know, taking taking the guys out who were too nervous to go, Aww. but you know, we're we're interested in checking it out. That's and, nice. Yeah, I mean, they were a little overzealous once they got there, but uh, yeah, yeah. Did you keep them? It's in very check? entertaining. Yeah, like oh. down, down, boy. Yeah, hundred percent. Behave yourself. <laughs> no perverts row for you. Yeah. Um, but yeah, so we got invited to this cannabis event at For Your Eyes Only and going in there and seeing it with the lights on, going in there and actually having free beverages. Ooh, ooh. it was great. Um, they had it steam cleaned like thrice over. I was going to say like the with the lights on, the floors were fine. No oh, yeah. I, black light test. <laughs> yeah, they had the food dudes cater the event. I ate sure. at a strip club. Good job. I feel like that's a bucket list item. You that, know, like all the guys go yeah. to the buffets in the States. Well, we did that here. Amazing. No food yeah. poisoning. You survived. No, I, I lived. Yeah. Amazing. Um, so they had different scenes. So one was like a Netflix and chill situation where there was a guy and a girl in a bed watching TV and um, yeah, having a little smoke. There was another <laughs> one where it was a whole bunch of people at a barbecue playing games. And then there was another one where it was just this like super hunky model getting ready for work. I was like, I don't think you could ever catch me in that third one um, because I'm not a super hunky model, but also because I'm not going to get high at work. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Um, But yeah, so I thought that was really creative because they weren't able to sample the product in Mm. advance of the 17th, but they showed different strains and they showed different um different descriptions and it was really cool uh they did it with like 3d imaging and wow. I, I don't know it was wild um and then i went to another one where you could actually smell the different 
ones they like they made them into incense oh but alcohol was really highly present in all of these mm-hmm. so um they're like if we can't get you high we might as well get you drunk right yeah <laughs> so that was pretty cool they had one with um a drink with activated charcoal which i've now been told is very bad for you <laughs> what yeah it's not it's not it's not great but did it looks cool did it make your your tongue black Yep. Oh, great. Oh, it's, it certainly <laughs> did. But they also had an area where you could get your aura red. Um, and all of the single women had like purple and pink and green uh, elements to their auras. Okay. And all the moms that were there had red and yellow and orange. And it was like fire. Wow. So I, I thought that was pretty interesting because, you know, how is this like old timey um camera gonna be able to detect that and not that i'm a huge believer in aura readings but right there's some pretty cool images yeah and so, then so they take your picture and mm-hmm. then they tell you what color your aura is yeah you had means. to hold on to these things um kind of beside you and stay very still and then they printed out an image and there were just colors all around you oh. also my hair looked like it was giving the finger <laughs> So that was a little weird. What? Yeah. <laughs> Your aura is saying, fuck you. <laughs> uh, I wouldn't be surprised. <laughs> yeah, but they had, they had, um, they were giving away sage as a, a little door prize situation. They were giving away tons of crystals and crystals. I guess they're crystals. They're like little, little stones. Mm-hmm. How yeah. appropriately hipster. It was very hipster, uh, <laughs> very di- directed toward the female crowd. Mm. Um, so that was pretty cool. We went to another couple of weed events, but those are the two that I remember. And then I thought that the parties on October t- uh, 17th were pretty tame mm-hmm. and they finished very early. Everyone but, just got hungry and tired and wanted to pass out. Yeah, I don't think that they were very well organized, but eh, Fair enough. these things happen. Right. Yeah, I know. With all of the, the weed being sold out and all the hullabaloo and build up, it, it, there were so many memes floating around saying, hey, Canadians after October 17th. Even o- nicer. Right. <laughs> or even like same thing. Yeah. <laughs> like not a huge difference. Yeah, not at all. Ah, <laughs> oh, cool. Thanks for sharing. So moving on to question four. Can you tell us about a difficult moment in your life? I mean, there have been so many. Um, I, I think we're approaching a, a pretty difficult moment, um, a difficult time for my parents. Mm. Um, and I think that when you're in your late 20s, your early 30s, you really start thinking about your parents' mortality. Sorry, mom and dad. Um and trying to take care of them as they age. Um, My dad was a town councilman in Port Hope, Ontario, and he decided to challenge the current incumbent. And that man had a whole crew of people just malign my father. Yeah, it was really destructive. And it was really horrible to watch because you have this guy who's done so much for the town and wants to do great things moving forward. And it's, it's just a bunch of people who I'm pretty sure were paid to do this. Um, and the, the deputy mayor who actually hated the mayor, um, now stepping out against my father, who's done so much work. It's just, it's really sad to see four years of hard work for, you know, like he was probably getting paid under a grand a month. 
Mm-hmm. Um, actually, way less than that. His gross salary was under 16000 a year. Jeez. So, I mean, if you think about that, like it's it really is volunteer work. Mm-hmm. Um, so he did not win that election. Oh, and politics. No, yeah, it's, it's not easy. Um, but he, he tried really hard and... Um, he, he was knocking on everyone's door and mm-hmm. I'm just hoping that that's going to be good for him because he's 68 years old and trying to find a job at 30 is rough. Imagine doing it at 68. Like mm-hmm. it's going to be damn near impossible. So I think the next chapter for me, because I'm looking for excitement in my life. I think that everything has plateaued to a very nice level of calm. Uh, you know, I've been pretty used to having like a roller coaster of emotions, epic highs, the lowest of lows, and everything is pretty normal now. So I think it's, maybe this is the universe saying, okay, it's time to take care of mom and dad. Mm-hmm. So I think that this is going to be the next great challenge. And um, I think that's something that I'm thinking significantly about now. Um, I don't really like to reflect on super difficult moments because they were shit and, you know, we move on. Mm-hmm. So... Yeah, that's my answer to number four. No, that's a fair answer. Have you always been close with your parents or yeah. is this? Okay. Yeah, they're super supportive Aww. and they've always wanted me to have a career. And I don't really think they considered blogging that much of a career, but it got me the money to travel around the world um, when teaching got me to pay off my student debt. So I don't know. It, it parlayed into my current position and they're they're really happy. That's wonderful. Yeah. Aw, mom and dad. Mom and dad. It's so sweet. <laughs> yeah. That's great. I mean, we hear so much from you know, relationships with parents that aren't productive yeah. and aren't positive. So it's really encouraging to hear that it can be that. And also the desire to want to invest in them. Yeah. Well, I mean, I, I'd love to see a little bit more from my sisters. <laughs> Oh, shit. (laughs) (laughs) Um, But yeah, I mean, my dad's always been there for me and Mm -hmm. he didn't have the opportunity to be there for them when Mm -hmm. they were growing up as much as he wanted to be. Mm -hmm. So that's a whole nother can of worms that we're not going to record. Fair enough. Um, How many sisters do you have? I have two half sisters. Oh, wow. They've got little families of their own and I'm I'm that crazy travel aunt. (laughs) Yeah. That's me. I, I'm the absentee aunt that uh, has has returned. So but you get to corrupt all of them, all their kids. Mm. <laughs> it's going to be fun. <laughs> bit by bit. Yeah. I know. I feel like that with my stepsister, stepsister kind of. Yeah. She's like five. And oh, my gosh. It's, it's going to be fun. Yeah. That's going to be wild. <laughs> Sorry, Dad. Wait. All right. <laughs> all right. Question five. Who or what inspires you the most? crickets i'm taking no. this as an opportunity <laughs> to drink more yeah definitely. irish whiskey you're drinking writer's tears today we are drinking writer's tears we thought it was very appropriate <laughs> um and it it tastes great what inspires me the most um i think that tragedy in my own life um makes for really great articles because I don't write 
emotionally I write very sarcastically. So mm. people can relate to that. Um, I think when I see somebody who is living his or her best life and really creating things independently, I find, I find that just amazing um, and definitely in, inspires me to want to do better um, but also to take a step back and just look at what they're achieving and, and appreciate it for what it is. Um, I don't think that you need to take everything that inspires you personally. You can just appreciate it for the art that it is. Um, I'm having a hard time finding inspiration right now just because I'm not on the move. I'm not seeing things with new eyes. I'm back in my own hometown. Um, but certainly I have a handful of really mind-blowingly talented friends and i think they they would definitely be the ones who inspire me the most i'm pointing at you oh you're so nice <laughs> thank you oh girl yeah takes when one you're, to no one when you're crushing your goals and you know just doing it and sharing it with personal stories and personal anecdotes and and not putting it on display Mm -hmm. I think that's when it's the most special. I agree. And I like what you said about being able to appreciate other people's accomplishments and other people's work without necessarily comparing yourself to yeah. them. With social media and just in general, we love to subconsciously do that. And I think that's such a mental health rabbit hole. Mm. Okay, maybe that would be my my answer to question one then. Don't compare yourself to others. Just do you and do the shit out of what you do. Boom. <laughs> <laughs> do it the best you can. <laughs> Full circle. Yeah, there it is. And you mentioned that you've written about tragedy in your life. Yeah. What examples of tragedy do you reference? Oh, gosh. Okay. Well, I think that anyone who's read anything that I've written would know that when I was in Thailand, I 100% hands down met the person who made my opinions on love just completely go topsy-turvy. Oh. Um, yeah. <laughs> I 100% met the love of my life uh, at a hostel in Phuket and... He traveled with me from Phuket to Chiang Mai. Like we flew up there. He bought a he bought a flight. All of our friends that he had been traveling with decided to come with, and we just spent some magical time in Phuket and in, in Chiang Mai. And it was probably one of the toughest moments of my life to leave him. And um, you know, he he and I just had this insane connection. And he ended up moving to Korea to live with me. Wow. Yeah. So um, we had a timeline there because he was supposed to go to his best friend's wedding. Uh, he was from England mm -hmm. and take care of some things. So it was like maximum two months. Um, and then we stayed in touch for a while. And, you know, I, I think when you're when you're going through a lot of feelings you you don't really know how to make the best decisions for yourself especially when you know that person is in england and you're in korea and he hated korea and mm. uh, it was just it was a mess um but i met somebody who i was not in love with but who was there for me when i really needed him to be and he met someone who i still to this day don't believe he's really in love with and you know based on some conversations that he and I have had, 
definitely don't think it's the right decision for him. But a year and a half later, they're living in Melbourne together. So, you know, I, I think that talking about different elements of heartbreak, like when you've been so close to something so good, mm-hmm. um, you know, you, you can really taste the bitter with the sweet mm-hmm. and that's what you have to, to channel into your writing. So yeah, that's, uh, I, I think that's relatable content mm-hmm. when, when you, you try and make things relatable, um, easily digestible, but also hilarious because <laughs> like, really, if, if I came on your show and just cried, I, I don't think it would make for very good content. <laughs> I mean, this is a safe space, man. You can, you can do tears. it. I know. Writer's tears. Just, you know, uh, channel, channel the whiskey. Yeah. <laughs> I, I feel like I need to just start buying that. Like, I would have, uh, did you ever watch, what was it, TLC, when they would have those commercials where it was like, don't ever Merlot and write. Oh, no. I would Merlot and write constantly. I would just be there, like, my glass (laughs) of wine, just crying my eyes. How do I make this? not seem so sad Aww. oh sarcasm that's that's how you do it that's right? how you do it yeah you're like i feel like a meme right now yep Aww. oh i'm i'm constantly a meme <laughs> what do you meme <laughs> i love it i love mm. it yeah gotta love those relationships that end up being the ones around convenience as opposed to true love yeah Ooh. well <laughs> I don't know. I, I, I feel like I can relate to Lady Gaga now with her I'll never love again, you know, mm-hmm. like I'll just I'll just crawl into the fetal position and cry. Um, but there are so many songs these days that talk about, you know, a loss that's not really there. Like you've lost the person, but they're right in front of you. Mm-hmm. And I think that's the worst kind because try as you might like there's no getting them back Mm -hmm. and you just have to work day by day to get over them even if it means um you know staying with somebody because you're you're refusing to admit that you're just there because you're scared of being lonely which is actually what my latest article is about oh yeah are you just trying to smush that square peg into a round hole because you are afraid of being alone yeah, that's relatable for a lot of people, I'm sure. Yeah. Man, I see that all the time. Relationships where I'm like, I just don't get it. You guys don't actually seem quite happy. No. And therefore, why are you doing what you're doing? Yep. <laughs> yeah, I'm I'm very lucky I'm I'm not in that situation, but I yeah. was in that situation. Happy anniversary. Thank you. Thank you. I know. I got a good one. Mm. Not letting him go. <laughs> He's laughing. Good. All right. Uh, Let's see. We're on question number six, which is, what is the most adventurous thing you have ever done? I'm sure you have one or two. Yeah. um, Moved to Korea and uh, lost my job on day three. Yeah. Um, (laughs) (laughs) That's not adventurous at all. What are you talking about? (laughs) Um, Solo travel. I think solo travel is the most adventurous thing that you can do, especially... Um, if you allow yourself to bend to the will of the trip, um, I'm the type of person who likes to plan everything to a T, but once I get there, you know, if I can just have them as markers along the way, then you kind of let yourself do whatever 
from point A to point B, from point B to point C. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, you're not on a timeline. You're on a you're on a map, but you're not on a timeline. And I think that's pretty exciting. Um, and you meet the coolest people that way. Like when I was in Shanghai, I ended up meeting this guy who'd had a series of really intense seizures. And so his eyes were completely oh. bloodshot over, but he had spent the last five years learning to speak Mandarin. Wow. Um, while he was parking cars at, I forget what hotel it was. It was something like really the Ritz Carlton or something like that. Um, yeah, he was just a valet. Um, and he spent his whole day listening to these teach yourself Mandarin tapes. Wow. Yeah. So he had no plan. He, you know, had been in the hospital and we met up in Shanghai and we spent the next two days together and he was my interpreter and we saw all these crazy cool things. So that was awesome. Um, and I think that there is merit to doing your research in advance. Like when I went to Bali, I, I did not enjoy my time as much as I expected to, because Mm. I didn't have a plan. I didn't know where all these phenomenal temples were. And I, I mean, they're everywhere, but (laughs) there were certain ones that I wanted to go check out. And we stumbled upon a few of them, but I missed out on a lot of them. And I was there for two weeks. Like I, I could have made it there. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, I think when you do your research, but let the universe take you where you're, you're meant to be, that's that's when you have your meet cutes and your, your kismet and all that good stuff. And that's your, the grand adventure. Your whirlwind romances. Uh, uh, had a couple. Uh. Do you have any other travel tips, especially for solo female travelers? Be aware of your surroundings. I think that's the most important part. Um, If you can take some, well, I'd suggest taking martial arts, but at the same time, especially in Asia, there are a lot of laws around um, self-defense. Really? Yeah. So So especially in Korea, if you harm the person more than they harm you, they can sue you for everything you're worth. What? Yeah. So, Even if they've instigated it. Yep. Uh, and that's why a lot of elderly people will target foreigners because they know that they can get money. Yeah. So like, oh, I've, I've been battered and bruised on the subway from what? like these crazy little old ladies or yeah. Um, just be aware, like look around, make sure that you're not in anyone's way. Try and be polite, learn some key phrases and look out, do your research on common scams. Uh, in the country where you're going. Wow, sorry, I'm still in shock. You have like Kung Fu grandmas on the subway. Kung Fu grandmas. Oh, yeah, those elbows. <laughs> oh, boy. Wow. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's, that's like, what? sometimes they'll spit on you and like get in your way and you're just trying to get out of their way, but then they, they feign injury. Oh, yeah, it's not great. It's like worse than a World Cup soccer game. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, And Korea was a great contribution to that this year. (laughs) Talk to Brazil. (laughs) Oh, man. Well, that's good to keep in mind. Yeah. Before my last trip to Europe, which was Italy, I made sure to read up on some of those common scams Mm. because it happens all the time, especially in some of those places. Uh, I bought myself a slash proof backpack and everything because you just read about everything that goes down so yeah i i totally echo everything you're saying okay question seven what do you attribute your success to probably my mom she 
would make sure that I finished anything I started. So if I started figure skating and I did not like it because I couldn't do a triple axel right away, finish what you start. So I finished all of those lessons. Um, I had to learn piano for school, finish what you start. I did my grade six and that's all I needed to get into university and I hated it, but <laughs> I got my grade six piano, finish what you start. Um, I think definitely with the blog, you know, it, it's been going on for almost, it'll be four years this December. Wow. Yeah, that's a long time, right? That's, yeah. That's a lot of content. Yeah. So you got to finish what you start. Like you can't just give up on something because it's difficult. And mm -hmm. certainly my content creation has slowed down, especially in Toronto, um, because I'm still trying to find my footing. I'm still trying to, um, you know, get on a schedule that makes sense and is healthy and um, can work with my work schedule because, you know, my full-time job, it comes first. Mm -hmm. um, but yeah, I know just, you, you gotta finish what you start. How do you keep yourself on track when you have that voice saying, but I don't want to, or you need to listen to that. Okay. If you don't want to do something, but you can pick it up later, then allow yourself to not do it at that moment. Like mm -hmm. if I have to force myself to write something, it's going to be garbage, mm -hmm. but you know, make, Oh, I'm trying to find the word right now. Make deals with yourself. Mm. If I take tonight off, then I have to do this extra tomorrow and I have to get this done by this time. I make deals with myself all the time. I don't want to go to the gym tomorrow morning. No, I do. Um, <laughs> but, you know, let's say I'm going out to a PR event and I know there's going to be lots of alcohol. I'm going to need that sleep because if I push myself too hard, then the next day is going to be a write-off and nothing I do is going to be any good anyway. So if I need that Thursday to not go to the gym, for example, or not do something after work, then I'll make sure I go to the gym in the morning on the Friday mm -hmm. and I'll go take a class Friday evening. And yeah, it, it's just compromising with yourself and making those deals. I really love that because myself, I'm very good at being tough on myself. So I, you know, I'm a little bit more of that type A personality because mm -hmm. I love to get shit done. But to your point, there's a lot of times when I really don't feel like it. Yeah. And then anytime I force myself to do it when I really don't feel like it, I ask myself why the hell I did that to myself. So waiting a day or something like that is pretty inconsequential. But many of us suffer from the same thing. We're, we're so hard on ourselves. And especially living in the city, especially in that hustle-paced economy, mm -hmm. we're obsessed with that instant result, instant gratification type pace. Mm -hmm. So that's an important reminder for us to be kind with ourselves, to barter with ourselves a little bit. Definitely. <laughs> um, and I, I think that that's how you balance. Um, that's how you don't get burnt out and become one of those people who expects life to give them everything on a silver platter and mm -hmm. put in no work. Like you need rest time. Yep. And 
You can't just be go, go, go all the time. You have to put in the work, but you have to schedule it when your creativity is going to allow for it. Mm -hmm. Great advice. I need to write that on my mirror or something like that to to remind (laughs) myself. Do you, honey boo. (laughs) Yeah, I like that. Do you, honey boo. (laughs) Fabulous. All right. Okay, so question eight is what item or items could you never live without? Okay, leaving Korea um, and leaving Toronto and leaving Vancouver and leaving Atlanta and leaving da 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 you can live without pretty much anything. Like as long as you have something that's interview appropriate and a cell phone, mm-hmm. you know, you don't even need to have a plan. You can just have Wi-Fi because you can go to a library, you can go to a Starbucks, you can access something. You don't really need a lot to get by. You just need a connection to the world and something presentable to get your foot in the door. Um, And I think we're often so tied to these material possessions. And I know that I I certainly like nice things. Um, When you were in Japan, did you ever hear about that theory that any object that's been owned by somebody, somebody has its own personality? Like your teddy bear, for example. Not explicitly, but I wouldn't be surprised. Yeah, so the Japanese are not really into vintage shopping, Mm. um, except in Harajuku, which is kind of interesting. But um, I I thought that was interesting because we put so much emphasis on these things that, you know, don't have personalities, don't have heartbeats. Um, And when I left Korea, I just left everything. I didn't want to have um, oversized baggage. I didn't want overage fees. I just wanted to take my good Korean beauty skincare <laughs> items because they were expensive and I knew that I wouldn't be able to afford them for a while. And my phone because my phone can take pictures. It can mm-hmm. do research. It can contact others. Um, yeah. So just... Just a phone and a first impression. <laughs> Blazer and a cell phone. And, and you're good. Yeah. Uh, Korean beauty products. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Tell, tell me a bit about that because I've always thought of a lot of Asian beauty products to have skin bleaching agents and things. Am I totally off base? No, actually, you're not. But that is also a common misconception. Mm-hmm. So when Korean skincare products say brightening or whitening, mm-hmm. That's really what they mean. They're, you're, you're taking off the first layer of the epidermis. You're, you're getting all those dead skin cells gone. And with that, your skin is going to look brighter mm. and lost in translation, whiter. No, mm. I, I mean, that's not the case. I mean, I have several friends in Korea who are black who would use these products without hesitation and mm. they had the nicest skin. Um, we all, there was a group of us that used to write about Korean uh, skincare products. And we were all very, very different shades. And we would all use the same products. And you know they would do great things. Mm-hmm. So in Korea, there's so much competition among these brands that the price is very low. And Ooh. it's wonderful. I went to a Nordstrom Beauty event on Saturday at Eaton Center. And these products were upwards of $500 for just a regular little tub of moisturizer. Wow. And, you know, I 
I almost, I was almost reaching for my credit card being like, is this really the holy grail of skincare? But I looked at, I looked at the ingredients and I was like, okay, well, the first ingredient isn't water. That's, that's a big step in the right direction because most of these products that you'll get from the, the beauty canners or from shoppers, you're going to see aqua or O or water Mm -hmm. as the first ingredient and then a whole bunch of chemicals. They just make it French or something to sound fancy. Mm -hmm. Great. That's exactly it. (laughs) Um, (laughs) And really like, why are you paying to put water on your face? We have some of the best tap water in the world. Why are you going to pay a couple hundred dollars to just put water and a whole bunch of things that you can't pronounce on your face? Mm. So the reason that I was reaching for my credit card in this instance was because there is this brand called uh, Chantecai. And if you look at the ingredients list, they bold all of the natural ingredients. So you'd have like rose oil or you'd have green tea or jasmine or rice or wheat or what have you. Um, And those would be your ingredients. And then you might have something chemically at the end Mm -hmm. because there's a small binding agent or something like that um i don't i still don't think i'm ready to spend 500 dollars on a skin cream no that's hardcore especially since you can buy all of these wonderful korean beauty products online on amazon do you have any brands that you've used that you really like um yes and a lot of them are on my website thatgirlcartier.com and um, Cosrx is one of my favorite ones. C-O-S-R-X. Really affordable. They do great things. They use a lot of natural ingredients. Um, I did a comparison with Pixie. Uh, I don't know if you've heard of that brand. It's no. They have it at Shoppers, but it's kind of glorified and it's definitely sent to a lot of influencers as well. And um, The ingredients are pretty similar, but you're going to have a lot more saturation from the natural ingredients in Cosrx. And they're just really fresh. They don't have a lot of perfumes. Mm. I think if you're putting four different Korean beauty products or any sort of beauty products on your face, you don't want to have four competing fragrances. You just want to have... Yeah. like You want to be a smelly face. Exactly. (laughs) But... If it has eucalyptus in it, you can smell the eucalyptus. Mm. If it's got ginger or green tea, you can smell those ingredients as well. Um, certainly rose oil, lovely fragrance, natural as well. So it's not going to stick around. It's not going to linger. It's just kind of there and then it's gone. Awesome. Got to get my Korean beauty product on, I think. Oh, we'll, we'll have a powwow. Yeah. You're going <laughs> to cook, cook me dinner and give me a face. So many face masks. <laughs> yes. Yes. Oh, <laughs> I love it. I'm excited. Slumber party. Yeah. Woo. All right. Question nine. Is there anything you'd like to promote? Okay. Well, I, I, I think this is probably a good time to mention. I run two blogs. So Toronto Seoul, like Seoul, South Korea. So torontosocialite.com and thatgirlcartier.com. So one, uh, Toronto Socialite is food, fashion, fitness on the road. So it's it's a little bit more serious. It's a little bit less sarcastic. Um, I mean, that always kind of makes it its way into my writing, <laughs> but it's a lot more reviews about restaurants um, on my travels or um, great tourist attractions that you can see in a day. Um, whereas... That Girl Cartier is a lot more about Korean beauty, about 
romance and I have something called the dating diaries, the expat dating diaries, the repatriation dating diaries. I went on a I went on a date with my calculus teacher and not one from ESA. What? <laughs> yeah. What? <laughs> yeah, that was uh, that was interesting. What's the what's the high level of that one? Um, we just ran into each other and he added me on Facebook and we went on a date and turns out he is not so different from other guys. He just wanted to get laid. Great. So um, that's good at math. <laughs> you plus sign me no um it did not happen did not happen but uh yeah he's got um he's got the name of the napoleon dynamite actor so if anyone else has been to <laughs> fly the academy <laughs> he'll show you his cosign mm. <laughs> vote for pedro <laughs> oh my gosh mm-hmm. that's hilarious but yeah um it also talks about plastic surgery and cosmetic surgery in Korea. Um, I think pretty much anyone who's read anything from my blog knows that I went through my own lovely little procedure when I was in Korea. I got the Rolls Royce of breast implants. Ooh. Yeah. Did you not know this? I, I actually did see the post, but yeah, I would love to hear a little bit more about There's a that. few. Um yeah, my doctor was this awesome guy who spends all of his money on the theater and on the opera and with his church-going friends, and he just creates the best boobies in Korea. I mean, Seoul is the plastic surgery capital of the planet. So when an organization, or sorry, when um, when a cosmetic surgery clinic approaches you and you don't feel like you're going to need a head to toe makeover and you actually feel comfortable in the situation and you're going to get free boobs. You say, yes, that's amazing. So they came up to you and they said, how would you like new boobs? Um, well, like not quite like that. They were a little <laughs> bit more tactful. Just exactly um, like that. But yeah, no, like new boobs? <laughs> <laughs> um, I worked with a few different clinics, mm. um, to do some consulting, marketing consulting and, um, they wanted to basically practice on somebody who wasn't Korean and didn't have Korean genetics. And mm. most of these places wanted to do like extreme makeovers. So they wanted to change my nose. And I was like, well, my nose is kind of what the Koreans want. Like I have this the very Korean nose. Well, I've got like a, like a little bunny rabbit nose. That's why my mom calls me bunny. Aww. Yeah. Um, and I, I don't really think I need the jawline because... I mean, when, when I don't have an extra 25 pounds on me, I have a you pretty... Look great. You look great. Uh, well, yeah, I'm not too worried. I like food. Um, <laughs> you know, I've got the kind of jawline that they're looking to create. I mean, these Koreans will... Well, actually, a lot of people, not just Koreans, but they'll shave down the jawbone. And I didn't need that. No. I didn't need eye surgery. I already have a double eyelid. Um Lipo, yeah, I could have done. But really, when you get liposuction, you can't work out. So for somebody who works out a lot, it doesn't really make sense to be sitting on your butt for six to eight weeks. It's it's just going to be counterintuitive. Yeah. Um, But, you know, they said that they wanted something that was going to... Well, okay, so three different places wanted to do the head-to-toe makeover. And I was like, no, thank you, please. Um, But then Soul Cosmetic Surgery came and and approached me and we had a nice sit down conversation over dinner and 
and they said, look, you know, we really want to work with you before your time in Korea is up. What's something that you've been considering? Let's at least do a consultation so that you can write about your experience there. And if you're comfortable, we'd love to see it through. And turns out I ended up being comfortable. They didn't want to give me Dolly Parton titties. And <laughs> um, yeah, I ended up going through that. And it was really simple. Like I had to fast um, for the night before and I couldn't brush my teeth. I couldn't wear deodorant. Um, Why surgery? couldn't you brush your teeth? Um, I, I, I'm not quite sure, <laughs> but <laughs> I mean, you like you're nice and smelly. <laughs> uh, I don't know. I, I think they just didn't want any sort of fluoride and I, I don't know. Um, I was out for less than four hours. Um, I don't think the surgery took very long. Mm-hmm. I walked out, um, and into the, the recovery room, which was uncomfortable because there were several people there. Um, But yeah, after a couple hours of rest, I walked out of there tap dancing and we went and stayed in a hotel overnight just to try and make the first night comfortable. There was a lot, a lot of pressure on my chest. Um, Mm. So it was, it was quite uncomfortable, but we watched Gossip Girl all night. My uh, friend and actually the owner of Soul Cosmetic Surgery, her name's Mona. She's from the States Mm. and she stayed with me at the hotel and we just kind of had a girl's night. And then the next day I got up we went to the clinic and, um, you know, they checked out, uh, the, they took off the, the bandages and checked out the incision areas and everything was fine and good to go. Um, I had to get some, oh, this whiskey's happening. <laughs> uh, any, tears, antibiotics. Tears. <laughs> I had to get some shots of antibiotics. But then on the Sunday, so I had the surgery Friday at noon Mm. and on Sunday I was in Rocky Horror Show. So I had an eight hour dance rehearsal that day and I went and did it. So that's amazing. Yeah, it's really not as difficult as it used to be to get plastic surgery. I'm I'm sure something like a rhinoplasty would suck, Mm -hmm. but yeah, certainly breast augmentation was very easy for me. That's amazing. Which isn't the case for everyone, but I, I think I prepared pretty well. Like I laid off alcohol for two weeks i was doing the right sort of exercise i was on a vegan diet and yada 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 that stuff helps eh oh yeah oh wow yeah i wouldn't know um that's so interesting like a vegan diet and all that it would it would benefit you yeah i just wanted to get a lot of no i just wanted to eat healthy and okay uh, yeah so the implants that you have Mm -hmm. are they silicone or are they something different they're silicone Mm -hmm. um saline isn't really used anymore mm. that's just salt water sure um these are motiva and Ooh. um you actually don't have to get them replaced wow yeah so usually you're supposed to get them replaced after 10 years um nowadays it's after 15 to 20 but these ones are being marketed as a lifetime guarantee so wow. we'll see what happens like we're gonna still check on them but that's I, I, I didn't go like crazy big i think i'm three quarters of a cup size bigger sure so and you still have sensation and everything mm, like that definitely oh cool yeah that's fun yeah. amazing okay cool and and so to read more about your experience that's on toronto socialite it's on that girl cartier that girl cartier. and um there's youtube clips of my consultation there's youtube videos of before surgery after surgery um and 
just thoughts on follow up. Oh, there's also a video of me getting Botox, which I need to get again because it's been probably eight or nine months. So it's gone. You look great, though. <laughs> you look so fabulous. Yeah. I wouldn't look at you and say, ah, Botox. Yeah, but I think, you know, like crow's feet for me just make me feel really old. Mm. Um, and when I got Botox the first time, it was really nice to just like not have those crazy laugh lines. And mm. because I had lost so much weight and had focused on that in my first year, it, they were a lot more prevalent. And mm. I just, I felt really old. Mm. And... You know, when, when you feel uncomfortable about something in your appearance and you can make a change and it's not really going to be overkill, then why not allow yourself to do it? Right. Treat yourself. Treat yourself. Just don't become a cat lady. <laughs> have you seen that? That woman? She looks like a cat. No. Oh, it's terrifying. You're going to have to Google this. Yeah. That's yeah. next level. Oh, my goodness. Wow. Yeah. Or the guy that wanted to look like Ken. Oh, yes, I have seen yeah, that. Yeah, the like yeah. Barbie and Ken matching yeah. people. That's like mm -hmm. next level. Wow. Yeah. Ab implants. Like, come on. Yeah. Yeah. You're like, you're just, you're just trying too hard. Too much. Yeah. yeah, yeah. yeah. Oh, that's so cool. Mm. I don't know a lot of people in my sphere who've gotten some degree of cosmetic surgery. I bet you do. Yeah. Maybe I just don't know. Right. <laughs> I think people are just there. It's taboo here. Mm -hmm. um, and it's, it's so common in Korea because there are, mm -hmm. There is so much competition and you do get paid more if you are attractive. Really? So, oh, yeah. You add your your um, headshot to your resume and your headshot is heavily photoshopped. Here, if you add your headshot to a resume, then you're disqualified. You're not allowed to be in the running because they can't discriminate against you wow. or for you. Yeah. So it's just it's a different it's a different culture. And. Is that like, in any line of work or mainly just acting and things like that? In oh, Korea? no, 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 no. Like if you want to um, get a job as an office worker, wow. then you have to, like any sort of job, you have a headshot on your resume. They're like, 100%. oh, she's got great boobs. Um, headshot, not <laughs> titty shot. <laughs> all right, all right, all right. She's got a great nose. Yeah, there yeah. you go. Okay. Yeah, or in my case, um, like when I first went in to get highlights done in Korea, they basically just put a whole bottle of peroxide on my head and that's why I'm now blonde. Wow. Blonde hair, blue eyes. That's as foreign as you're going to get and they love it. They love that all-American look and uh, yeah, so definitely there's um, a level of um, privilege. Mm. Privilege there. Jeez. Yeah. Wow, that's interesting. Do you still, what, do you want to stay blonde or do you want to go back to brunette? I haven't or? decided. That's why I've got like four inches worth of my natural hair color with tons of gray <laughs> lying throughout. <laughs> I can't decide if I just want to let the gray grow in and just like really fold myself into the spinster I am. Gotta get yourself a couple cats or something. No, I don't want cats. No, no cats. No, I'm good. <laughs> no. Um, Knitting? But yeah, uh, yeah, yeah, I know how to knit. Yeah. I've done it before. I mean, yeah. like needlepoint. Just like needlepoint, fuck you and yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, give it to my neighbors who are yeah. really noisy. Yeah. yeah. The offensive needlepoint. That's a good offensive one. Offensive needlepoint. Yeah. It's like really <laughs> popular in Nashville. Oh, I love it. Yeah. All right, let's wrap things up here. Okay. We got question 10. What is a lesson you learned the hard way that you'd like to share with our listeners? Um, I mean, I, I think I've learned so many lessons the hard way. 
And that's my generic answer to every question you've asked me. Um, <laughs> no, nah, you're doing great. You, you offered a lot, don't worry. Be honest, because if you lie or if you try and hide the truth on any level, it will come back and bite you in the ass tenfold. Um, just tell the truth, try and tell it in a gentle way because people are sensitive and just never, never hide who you are, never hide a situation and never hide when you need help. Um, because that's just going to make things harder for you in the long run. Yes, ma'am. <laughs> I love that. Honestly, that's, best policy. It's true. And it's very tempting for us to say what we think the other people want to hear mm. for us to look good or feel good about ourselves when in actuality we're doing ourselves a disservice by doing that. Yes. Well, Kate, you're a rock star. Ah. Thank you so much <laughs> for being here. Well, thank you for having me. Amazing. I'm so blessed to have you here. So thank you. Thank you. I, it was an honor. Yay. Okay, great. Boom shakalaka. Thanks for listening, everyone. Find us on Facebook at Legit Lady Podcast. That's L-E-G-I-T-L-A-D-Y Podcast. And on Instagram at Legit Lady Podcast. On Twitter at Legit Lady Pod. That's Legit Lady P-O-D. And please rate and comment on iTunes and anywhere else you get your podcasts. If you love what you hear, share it broadly and proudly. Thanks, everyone. Oh, la, la, la.